This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to Hi Bob, the officially unofficial podcast for all of For All Mankind. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. It's on Apple TV Plus. Did I say that? I don't know. What am I doing with this intro? Uh, I'm switching it up. That's what I'm doing. Uh, today we're talking about season four, episode three, uh, called The Bear Hug. Aaron, what do you think of this episode? I'm very curious to see what the general public thinks because. I liked it. I like. I, in fact, I loved it. I am an old school. Like I spent most of my late teens and twenties reading Tom Clancy spy thrillers, and I feel like uh, a really good Tom Clancy spy thriller, like a Cardinal, Cardinal and the Kremlin type spy thriller, just broke out in the middle of my favorite space show. So I'm super digging it. Um, I like the kind of Ocean's Eleven thing that they're going for on Happy Valley between Ilya and and Milosh. Um, you know, it's just like obviously that's going to complicate beyond all reason. I, I don't know oh, how yeah. del- what is, is Lee <laughs> truly delusional enough that he thinks this guy who smuggles Playboy and vibrators is going to be able to smuggle a whole ass person. It's uh, that's insane, but sure. But but I'm I'm very curious just because it's a predicament. It is a predicament that uh, Miles has got himself into. Um, but, but yeah. And and then also like, you know, we had a lot of, que- we got a lot of things that were answered. Um, it, it, this, this episode is all about complications, you know, um, except for maybe Ed's plot, which we got a little bit more like, uh, you know, we've been speculating a lot these last few episodes of what's going on with Ed. We got a little, a little bit more information, but mostly it's just like, you know, Elaine and Kelly, things got more complicated. Miles solved one problem, but then things got more complicated uh, mm-hmm. Margot, shit, her life is just—it's uh, a Rubik's Goldberg contraption of complications at this point. She's she's a dead American citizen masquerading as a Canadian citizen, getting passed wrong between directorates of the KGB and the police state. That is—I <laughs> mm-hmm. I really liked it. What did what did you make of all this craziness? Uh, it's not my favorite episode of the season. I got to say that there were, there were definitely parts I liked. Um, and overall I'm generally positive on it. It's just, I don't I'm not sure I need, I'm not sure I need the Soviet spy thriller in my space show. Um, I feel like maybe an overcomplication. I, I, I know they'll bring it back around. It'll be interesting and tied to the space plot here, especially with Margot going to work at star city. That's, it's going to get interesting. I don't know. It it feels a lot like they really want to get into the politics of it. And of course, I mean, the show, you know, is trying to tell us how we get to the Star Trek future. Essentially, these are going to be bumps in the road. There are going to be parts like this. I guess I just I'm more into the space stuff than I am the spy thriller stuff. Yeah. And I and that's the thing that I the question I have is like, where are they going with this? Because if they just want to Margo back in Star City, kind of like dueling with their American counterparts or collaborating with their American counterparts, they could have just had that with the crisis. You know, she. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah. The asteroid thing goes up. Uh, the Russians are at a loss. You know what? Let's call in Margo and, you know, have her kind of work her way up Star City. I don't know what we need the the. But also 
they're trying to like realistically move the pieces of the geopolitical puzzle. And that's some of the things we've really liked about the show. And, yeah. you know, one of the things we said is like, oh, I wish we had more insight into what's going on in Russia. And they're well, here it is. And but, I, uh-huh. but that's what I'm saying. Like, I think you're the average for all mankind person who's like, I just want to see NASA solve problems and expand human yeah. space flight. And I don't need to see a middle aged woman chained up in a Russian dungeon for a whole episode. But yeah, and I don't know why it's hitting me different than a lot of the stuff with like Ellen last season did, because that was, you know, only tangentially related to the space stuff at all. So like they've been doing this all along. This plot just seems to be it doesn't interest me as much. I don't know why. Because I know it's going to come back, right? All these complications with the Soviet Union are going to find their way to Mars. Certainly they're they're already starting to with the lack of communication. Yeah, and I think that um, there was this word, I forget, I'll probably come across my notes, I'm trying to scan for it, but, um, you know, this 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 thing that Ilya is trying to impress upon uh, Miles, mm-hmm. the, the Russian way, right? The philosophy, um, yeah. The the it's it's about uh, if if you look it up and see what he's talking about, um, it's this word for like connection, um, or or hooking up. And I wonder if like they're trying to make some larger point about how this is all about connections that you make with people. Like how does how has this person been watching Margot for so long and for what purpose? How long have they been planning this coup? Mm-hmm. Um, but but like you said that I. I, I know it's going to connect back, but I guess while I'm waiting for it to connect, I'm more entertained just by, you know, seeing the, the machines of Soviet state turnover, you know? Gotcha. Uh, yeah. No, it's always a bad. Totally it's, it's, cool. it's like it's always a bad sign when the man with the bigger, funnier hat shows up and starts screaming at the guy who just uh, was interrogating you. And then then yeah. when a guy with even bigger, funnier hat shows up, oh, my God, it's. I, I like it, and all the the first war between the second and third directorate. Uh, it's just like I said. It's I am I find that stuff hugely entertaining, and it's interesting to see Cold War politics in a post Cold War, broadly speaking, geopolitical context. Uh, uh-huh. And it's kind of a so resolution yeah. to the things they've been teasing with the the political stuff, right? Like they they yeah. managed to get in and out of that plot in record time i think you know if Mm. if we had to if you're not interested in that stuff at all the politics of it then three episodes that barely deal with it at all uh that's not a lot of time to spend on something as such as as big as a coup event it does seem like this season's all about contradictions too like you know uh the uneasy alliance between communism and capitalism uh, surely Ed is going to flip his fucking gasket when he finds out that there's an illegal, you know, black market operation on the base, and yet he oh, is running an Ed. illegal black market operation on the base. And uh-huh. there's a lot of that kind of interesting uh, juxtaposition of, mm-hmm. you know, extremes of ideology and, and hypocrisy and whatnot. And I, like I said, I, I think that is every bit as fascinating as the space stuff, although I bet didn't get a lot of space stuff. Other than Svetlana expertly docking the asteroid rig, that's about the only space stuff we got this episode. Yeah, not a lot of it. Although I do, the thing that interests me the most is the thing that's happening with Dev and Kelly and Aleda. I'm really excited to see how that turns out because I feel like they've just Frankenstein-style resurrected a monster. They Uh, really, they really have. (laughs) 
Yeah. I mean, that's what the story does. I think that's what this. Yeah, with, with with Aleda and Kelly's faces at the end of mm-hmm. when they see Dev flip the switch from, hey, you know, the problem with Icarus is you need better wings to you get the axe and you get the axe and you get the axe and the blood is flowing through the corridors. They're like, oh, you don't know about that. So, yeah. yeah, I think I think Dev saw an opportunity in Aleda and Kelly's program and seized upon it. And I'm kind of biased against Dev after last season's Me too. stuff. Like, you know, he talks about Karen backstabbing, but like that's just because he is so fucking blind to his own flaws and his own prejudices and his own ways of looking with at, at people and, and dealing with things. It's a very dev centric worldview he's got, um, mm-hmm. which is funny for a guy whose company's called Helios, but uh, the, whole, the whole universe revolves around dev, not the sun. Um but yeah, that's yeah. Uh, last, I, last I, episode. I was like spinning out some theories about, oh, is you know Richard actually the the money grubbing asshole? Well, I maybe maybe it's hard to tell from this episode because he does come in and fire a bunch of people. But it seemed like personal spite rather than something that they were doing with the company that was backward. Um, yeah, or they just didn't believe in his so. vision. Maybe they're more sober, prudent financial advisors, and he doesn't need sure. any of that in his company. Thank you very much. I mean, he doesn't need finance at all if he yeah. has 200 billion dollars or whatever <laughs> so uh yeah no, I, I don't know that stuff is super interesting so i overall i like the episode just i hope we're kind of we're, we're definitely not done with the spy stuff definitely not done but we'll see how much of it's in there you're listening to hi bob we'll be right back This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hi, Bob. Welcome back to more For All Mankind. All right, why don't we get into the recap? Yeah, let's do it. We start off with Margot being transported along with other prisoners to some Russian facility. We don't really know what it is yet, but we'll find out soon. Yeah, she finds Uh, out from the newspaper stand that the police are backing the new uh, hardliner. Um and mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's there's a, essentially a a, a Cold War civil war, a Cold Civil War, uh, breaking out in yeah. the country itself. You've got various mm-hmm. factions of the government fighting each other. Yeah, and Margot is a pawn, literally a pawn in their game. Yeah, I'm not sure if she's actually an important pawn or if she just is caught up in something way bigger than her and is insignificant. But it, we'll we'll find out more. I think. Uh, 
once she starts talking with the spy operative, things start to open up a bit. Yeah. Uh, and there's a uh, Soviet crisis that we see on television. This being reported on the news, both to you know other countries and also to Happy Valley here. Um, the attempted coup by Korshenko. Um, he's trying to restore this, the Soviet Union to communism. And Happy Valley gets that news. And Star City apparently is not communicating at all with Happy Valley. Um, or even even their own fathers are unable to get messages to them. Um, and Danielle decides, you know what, let's give Russian messages comms priority. And they proceed with their mission, which is an asteroid capture training mission. Again, no notes on Danny. Perfect leadership. Uh, yep. It even defers to the Russians about whether, you know, it's like, hey, your whole country's on fire. Do you still want to fuck around with the asteroids? Yeah, we kind of <laughs> do. All right. Thanks. Uh, no nice notes on Ed him. either. She she diverts comms to the Russians here, and he's like, done. Yeah, I, I will say that Ed, yeah, like this is a crisis that he can wrap his brain, brain around and make yeah. sense to him. And it's, yeah, it's like, well, of course, of course. Mm-hmm. So well, it's not it's, some it's, dirty it's, miners it's this, complaining about pay. It's the shit that Ed doesn't agree with that you got to watch him going rogue. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, and he has kind of a moment here with, uh, is it Svetlana? Um, where he, sure does. he looks over at her and he's like, I know what that's like, not not being able to communicate with your family. Yeah, there's a thing there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see it come more into focus later. Uh, then we go over to Dev for the first time this season. He's laying on a beach at night, and a surfer comes up, calls him a fascist pig when he tells her not to surf on his property because he owns the ocean. Apparently, I fucking hate this about America. I oh, yeah. whenever I read about the UK and Scotland and the Scandinavian countries where there's essentially a right to roam. Or it's mm-hmm. like if you, you know, you can have private property, you can fence in your backyard, but if you live on 50 acres that's forested, then you might have people camping back there. And as long as they're not tearing shit up or molesting things or causing you problems, then that's just, hey, it's it's the land, man. Yeah. And the idea that people can buy up beaches mm-hmm. and like, it's just, it, it I, yeah, again, uh, I, 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 like I said, I'm not advocating for people to just free use your property, but you know the right to travel and cross and enjoy natural i just i that's just something i can't get behind and fuck that a lot of times i i think it's the case that you can't actually buy beach what what you can buy is the land that lines the beach and so you can turn that into your private property and it's illegal to trespass across that to get to the beach that is public property this this happens with hunting stuff all the time too where there will Uh be lands that you can hunt on but they're surrounded by private property that is fenced off and they're specifically trying to keep you out of that other property so they can use it as their personal backyard yeah no i follow a couple of social media sites that track this where it's like a wealthy person buys a what they think is a private beach and finds out there's actually public beach access there and then since they have a launch a lot of money they will cut down the sign that says public access they will plant shrubs over that path and then anyone that tries to use it they will run off and threaten legal action and essentially they turn even though that's illegal they mm-hmm. turn into a private beach and no one like there's this, this is happening all over the place, especially in California, especially in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a crime. It is stealing from the public and putting it into private hands. And it's like, you know, it's, it's not the kind of like crime where it's like you slip the city a million dollars. It's like they just do it. They just do it because and, yeah, and it, yeah. it is 
it's gross. It drives me crazy. And uh, yeah, Dev is, uh, I don't know if he's a fascist pig, but I'm comfortable with a surfer girl calling him that under these circumstances. Yeah. And, you know, this is where he starts in the episode. And I don't know if I'm to believe that he's had some kind of epiphany and change of heart by the end. That seems a little sudden. That seems a little not Dev to me, but uh, that's what the episode is trying to tell us. He might have had an epiphany, but it's going to be more along the lines of I've been right all along and I need to stop. I I need to stop doubting myself and get back into the game. Not like, hey, I should maybe think of other people. It's, oh, no, I'm not going to give up like my father. I'm actually going to keep fighting for this thing that I want, which is very selfish. Uh, His motivations are definitely not pure on this, but see how it goes. So far, so bad, I guess. Um, And boy, the the security at his place i don't know if this is because of the bombing if he's afraid of terrorist actions against him um or if this is just a general response to feeling like people are out to get him uh the backstabbing from karen that he got you know in his mind which he's blown up to be a huge thing uh i I don't know what the state is but boy that's a lot of security yeah, and I bet that the, he probably isn't a very popular person in America um, with, you know, him being the the face of the company that essentially destroyed the petroleum industry, put a lot of people out of work. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we saw how uh, people are willing to blow up space centers last year or last season over that. So I imagine there is a fair bit of concern for his personal safety, but mostly just feels like they're telling a story that he has walled himself off from the world. Yeah, there's a lot of that doing going like on this a episode. Uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so Lady and Kelly go to I don't know. I guess Silicon Valley. They're pitching everybody on their new robotics project, the Mars Seeker, which is designed to find life on Mars. They get rejected by everyone, and Elena says, "You know what? There's one last rich person we could go see." On on the uh, how tortured an acronym on a scale of like scuba, which I don't think is a tortured <laughs> acronym at all, to Humvee. Uh, uh-huh. Where where are we at with Seeker? What is the what is the full name of this? I didn't pick it up. It's like the search for extraterrestrial uh, something, or is that search for extraterrestrial life enhanced with kinematic? something robots robotics uh, the, sure. the, the word the, the word kinematic is doing all of the fucking work in this acronym yeah um, no one actually they had knows seer what right there means. seer like like a prophet a person divining for things searching for like i i don't there know you. like you got to throw kinematic in there just to get a it's a buzzword uh, man that's that's a yeah. hype word that's a word that gets investors interested <laughs> it's the study of the geometry of motion yeah kinematics. The motion of life. Uh, I don't know. I'm going. I'm seeing them go into these companies, and every company is giving them like what I view as a bullshit excuse for why they can't do. Oh, it doesn't fit into our existing slate of projects. Oh, whatever. They, they just don't see the ROI in it. Like at least yeah. Dev, when they go to him, is like, no, there's no ROI in this for me. I. That's why I spend my money to get an ROI. Doesn't make dollars. It doesn't make sense. Get the hell out. Mm-hmm. I, I do like how tightly connected this is to the previous scene where the surfer girl is talking about the universe sending him a message and he's like, the universe doesn't send messages, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, he's about to receive, mm-hmm. like, this message from the universe. I, I think it's kind of neat how they, they primed the pump there with the surfer girl. Nice. 
Alright, let's go up to Miles in Happy Valley. He's watching more messages from his family. His wife's thinking about moving the family to Boise for a job opportunity, which... I don't know. <laughs> what's a few thousand more miles? What's, what's a couple thousand more miles uh, in the grand scheme of things, right? Um, which is further from civilization? Boise, Idaho, or Happy Valley Mars? Ooh. I need my measuring tape for that one. <laughs> And there's there's distance, and then there's you know, but uh, I mean shit. I I'm I'm from the 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 Midwest. How? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Plenty of people are saying that about Ohio. Uh, uh, yeah, Samantha... it's like it would be better to be known for corn or potatoes. I don't know. Yeah, uh, Samantha's not getting any messages from anyone back home, so they both go out to drown their sorrows at Ilias. We'll we'll get to the Ilias scene here in a second. Uh, yeah, Sam, apparently Miles is not making even enough money to support his family. His bank account's draining at like $1,000 a month, which is pretty significant. Yeah. It, it, I was thinking that because she said it's... they're not still living at their parent, her parents' place, right? I have no idea. Um, I don't know why she would have moved in like, what, three months we're talking here? With the anticipation, like, what she'd bought a new house yeah. on the supposed pay, I don't know. And, like, when does he start getting paid? Did he start getting paid, like, the moment he landed? Or was he getting paid for the commute? Uh, I hope so. My God. That's not yeah. any, that's not a regular commute. Uh, but, yeah, let's go over to Ilya's. This is a fun scene. Uh, Miles is interested in how much Ilya makes on his operation because he needs some money. And he chats about how shitty Helios is with Ilya, who tells him the story of how he became the businessman that he is. And Miles asks if he needs any help, but Ilya says he works alone. And then Samantha comes up and shows Ilya Miles' green badge, which gives him access to areas of the base that Ilya doesn't have access to. And that changes his mind. I thought it was because like the first time I watched I was watching this, I was thinking to myself, are they moving too fast with this? They're trying to establish Ilya as a very careful, cautious person who's been building up his empire slowly over 15 years. And then when I when it became clear that this was what's going to happen, I'm like, do I buy that he's just going to like take miles under his wing this quickly? But and but I think they got with Sam pointing out the green card that like Ilya's greed and ambition mm -hmm. got the better of him a little bit. Cause ultimately I think this is going to be his undoing, you know, this whole North Korea thing. This, I don't know how, yeah. but I, I was looking at this from several angles and before it became clear that he was going to get the job and, and the situation with the North Koreans presented it itself. I was thinking, I'm really going to hate Miles when he blows up Ilya's spot to try and take over his business. Because that's, that's what I thought was going to happen, is there was going to be some, you know, he'd get involved, he'd see with the operation, and then he'd turn state's evidence here. And yeah, yeah it's throw Ilya under the bus to take over his operation because he really needs the money. Yeah. I kind of thought that too, that there would be like, he would try to do what Ilya does and Ilya would like shoot it, shut him down in some kind of like rough and ready kind of, you know, black market mm -hmm. kind of way. Um, Which I'm glad that didn't I, happen. Cause I, I like miles. I, I like miles being stupid more than I like miles being an asshole, I guess. 
Yeah, and I also... I, I think it's going to be interesting if they do have, like, essentially a criminal... Because, like, the, the thing is, a criminal enterprise can work fine as long as there's no competition. The second sure. there's competition, there's no way to settle that competition legally. So, mm-hmm. you know, kneecaps are getting broke, and then ribs, and then heads, and then knives and guns come out. And I, I'm really curious to see if they go full Russian mafia you know, versus North Korean mafia versus Miles mafia. Like if, if they're, you know, going to go to the mattresses on Mars kind of. Yeah. It, it doesn't feel like that's the way they're going. It feels more like the complication is going to be getting them. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, are they going to, are they going to tell like the story? Might not be this generation, but it'd be interesting to have like a Martian underbelly underground for like future seasons to play around with, you know, that's what I was thinking. I mean, Honestly, Ilya is getting in on the ground floor of the Martian economy. Like, he's taking Scrip, which I think has a potential to become the official currency of Mars. I don't mm-hmm. know why they wouldn't necessarily want that to be the case. Mm-hmm. And he's got a lot of it, and he's got the connections on Mars. He's the guy who gives everybody everything they need. He could turn this into a full-blown enterprise on Mars. Like, yeah. he could be uh, shit who's who's the French guy in the expanse. Uh, I know he's from earth, but like, oh. if he were from the belt, right? Jules Pierre meow. Yes. Meow. <laughs> uh, he, he could be that dude in, you know, not in his lifetime, obviously, but his kids or something, you know, his, well, a lot of he the, passes this on to a lot of the founding fathers in America were smugglers. Like sure. that's one of the reasons. Like I, I've, I've, I've understood that the whole, uh, one of the big reasons about the whole Boston Harbor and the tea and all that kind of stuff is it was pissing them off to have the British start muscling in on some of their illicit trade of things. Um, nice. So it's like, yeah, a lot of times the, like you said, those people that are getting in there and doing the work and cutting the corners and amassing the wealth, they're going to be a big part of the. Ilya yeah. might be the governor next season of Mars. They get legitimized <laughs> pre- far more easily than you would think. Yeah. Yeah, money yeah. and power have a way of legitimizing whatever they need mm-hmm. to. Yeah, we'll just see if it survives Miles and Ilya's entanglement here, the North Koreans. Uh, so Ilya teaches Miles the ropes of smuggling. He takes him around, shows him his operation, teaches him how to uh, schmooze his his philosophy. I forget the word that you said there, but that Russian philosophy of communication or connection rather. It's uh, um, Svyazi, S-V-Y-A-Z-I. I looked it up. It Svyazi. literally means connection. Uh, a lot of times it, it can be used to like talk about communication. I saw that there's like a, I think a, a messaging app in Russia is called uh, hmm. Svyazi. There's a marketing firm called Svyazi, but like colloquially, it's like the hookup, gotcha. the connect. Yeah, you know. Hey man, I got that Svyazi. You're right. <laughs> Right, so it's you, the you need some, and and the thing is, it's like every time Ilya was saying like you, nothing's for free, everything's free. But I I kept on wait, like I thought like Ilya was a little naive that Miles is helping, 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 mm-hmm. and of course he's getting paid for it. But like I feel like Ilya's getting into stuff that he doesn't understand at the same rate that Miles is too. It felt like it to me. Yeah, I felt this was the point where I was really worried that Miles was learning all this so he could just overthrow Ilya and take over his empire um it, this scene is where he where Ilya is at the con- the um kind of coaching his smile not too big not too small you just want to make people feel at home and glad hand them 
Miles has resting Sly Stallone face. Okay. You look at my next time you watch I Miles, see you it. see his smile, you see the way his eyes work, all that stuff. It's so I mean, he's very close to Yeah. Yeah, if he had a bunch more muscle on him, his face would probably look a lot like Sly. Yeah, you know, really, I got this North Korea guy. He's gonna you know, yeah. He's he's the big Stallone face. <laughs> right. I was fascinated by the things that were coming to the station. Uh, there's Game Boy Advance, which mm-hmm. I liked. Uh, there's shampoo, there's razors, there's tampons, there's socks, there's underwear, all the things that Samantha was telling us about. And some more base desires uh, are being satisfied by the things coming in. The penthouse magazines, the personal mm-hmm. massagers, the, the neck, the, yeah, the thousand watt neck massager. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I found that pretty uh, interesting. They they mm-hmm. boy they import a lot of vibrators up there. <laughs> I bet, I bet. Yeah. I wonder if they put birth control in the water up there. Like, how do they control? Like, how do they keep the bored Ooh. poor miners from just fucking all the time? And yeah, like I can't imagine Helios is super cool with babies on base. They're literally just mouths to feed for like eighteen plus years. Maybe it's in your contract if you. If you, you have a baby, you get father shipped home. or mother a child. Yeah, you get shipped home. You owe 150 grand. <laughs> I mean, see, see, as Mars is like a month trip. I guess they, yeah, they could. They could just take a pregnant mother and ship her back. But like, yeah, make her pay for you it could. too. Oof. Wouldn't surprise me, given the contract I've seen. Uh, I noticed another thing in here that was kind of funny. Is he is Miles is up there trading with the same guy who last episode told him to clean his toilets. And the guy thanks him. You know, suddenly mm-hmm. he's looking him in the eye. Suddenly he's a person. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Very interesting. I know we. Well, I think we mentioned this. We talked about the ocean's love and vibe, but like literally, they're aping the like casino walkthrough scenes. We're like, oh, the you music know, and everything. Danny are explaining how everything works, and you see how. You know, he's just and it's not like he doesn't have a special smuggling compartment. What he's got is a guy on Earth who takes an order, throws a couple extra, throws a couple extra grams in the in the crate. Mm -hmm. And then he's got a person on Mars that lets him open up the cases and and handpick the stuff on top. And uh, there you go. Easy peasy. Yeah, this is exactly how it worked in The Expanse. This is exactly how it works in real life a lot of the time. Yes, pretty much. Yeah, You have somebody at the docks who okays the package and. Or lets you mm-hmm. in to get get your stuff out before the stuff gets inspected, and that's that's how it works. Uh, let's go over to Ed and Svetlana running a docking mission here. Ed's hand is shaky on the controls, so he hands control over to Svetlana. She completes the dock without issue. Uh, he's still hiding it currently, but he won't be for long. Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting because a lot of people clocked um some of the Ed stuff as a signs of Parkinson's. Like there was one Rob from Versailles, sure. or if he's from the Midwest, like us Versailles, maybe. He says, I noticed one thing during the Danny Ed scene concerning them eating pasta. During Ed's boomer speech about how the maintenance workers should just be happy to be there, the camera shows him aggressively cutting up his noodles a couple of times and then scooping up por- forkfuls. Uh you sh- and then compare in comparison, Danny is effortlessly twirling the noodles around her fork before taking a bite. 
He says, one of the symptoms of Parkinson's is shaking hands with the loss of dexterity, causing patients to cut up their food more than usual in order to make up for the loss and fine motor skills. Obviously, this has already come. Like, they haven't named it Parkinson's because apparently, I think Ed's afraid to get it checked out because he's afraid the flight surgeon's going to, like, ground them. Mm-hmm. But kudos to there's like three people that were calling out Parkinson's this week. Um, Rob's the first one. But yeah, it looks like he is suffering and it probably did impact the asteroid mission. I think they're telling us that at least Ed is worried that it might have. Yeah, yeah. Um, Am I wrong to think that I remember Ed being pretty unsophisticated in the way he eats spaghetti on Earth? Was he not the guy who cut up his pasta? It was, was that it or was because I remember one of the Maybe things I'm is he likes the powdered he likes the powdered parmesan he doesn't the like che- the fresh yeah, crab yeah uh, he likes to okay maybe dust. he knows how to eat it but yeah um, definitely at this point they're telling us there's something very wrong with Ed's nervous system um, we'll see how that pro- progresses because it seems like it's progressing pretty quickly I would say it's definitely worse this episode than it was in previous episodes. But I Is don't it know or if that's we just, just seeing it. It's now. worse like, right now because it's worse. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it is yeah. a, if it is Parkinson's, that is a degenerative disorder. So like, it's it will it will progress. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, Margo was taken to an interrogation room and asked about the phone number on the card in her purse, which apparently belongs to government loyalist KGB agent, uh, or at least that's what she's told here. He threatens her, but before they can finish their conversation, an emergency breaks out the prison, and the guard leaves to go deal with it. There's shooting. It's all. It's pretty serious. I like how this scene uh, works because when the first shot went off, I thought it was like someone being executed in prison, and it was kind of like an exclamation point for. And I think that's how Margot took it. Mm-hmm. But then when the p- lieutenant kind of looked startled and then, you know, seconds later, that first shot became more and then more Machine and then guns running firing, and screaming. Yeah. And it's like, and I was I, I was like, is someone la- launching a commando raid to save Margot? Sure. Yeah. Because they did it last Sergei. year for Sergey. Yeah. Like, yeah, they got SEAL Team 6 on the ground. What the hell is He's happening? He's going to bust in shirtless with a bandana tied around his head and a <laughs> machine gun. Be like, yeah. I paid you back. We're even. That's right. That's right. Um, but yeah, I was I was really like, what the hell is going on? Um, I, I love the first, speaking of the first shot, uh, the first shot of this scene is great. It's of the drain in the floor in this room. You mm-hmm. never want to go into, especially a Russian room with a drain in the floor. The An tile room with a drain in the floor. Interrogation room with with uh, all steel furniture and a big drain in the middle is is not. It's probably not a good good sign. No, no, it's not. Uh, so yeah, it really started with the ominous stuff there, and it's just going to so get I- worse throughout this episode. I know I said a lot of times that uh, if Margaret only go into the KGB, none of this would have ever happened. Um, <laughs> hmm. I, you know, I don't. I it's it's. Uh, I I wonder what would happen if she had now, because Which part of the KGB. Yeah, it looks like there's a there's beef between the second and third directorates. The third directorate is their counterintelligence uh, program, like military uh, counter spy, and the second directorate is the ones that watch the internal. You know, they're they're like the FBI with secret police mixed up. They're like watching the other Soviet citizens to make sure they're ideologically pure and not betraying the motherland. Um, regardless, how stupid is Margot for keeping this card on her? 
Like this is the kind of thing that someone gives it to yeah. you and then you're not going to take it to the KGB. You take it home and you put it behind your piano. You tuck it in a book that no one's ever going to read. You hide it in a register. You tape it to the underside of a desk drawer. Like some fucking basic spy craft. She's just walking around with a get into jail, it betrayed a mother, motherless. <laughs> Well, like, that would be the ultimate thing. Come yeah. on, you're telling me she can't memorize a string of ten numbers or whatever it is. Like, I think Margot can. She worked that. at NASA for God's sake. I I would struggle, but I think she could. And, and but but it's just anything, just anything besides just keeping the betray the motherland. Go directly to jail. Do not get two hundred dollars. Do not pass go. Don't keep that card in your wallet. Come on. I, I think the show was trying to tell us that she couldn't leave it in her apartment because she really thought like she was being watched and followed and bugged and that if she left it in her apartment and went out to get the news yeah. or whatever, they would break into her apartment and find it. Yeah. I'm but sure they, I mean, also having it on you is not a solution either. So I wonder if she'd even do? be in this position if she didn't have the card on her. That's the thing. It's like, I think she'd just be yeah. treated as like this kind of curiosity and, but I mean, this is a chilling scene too. Cause this is, you know, um, you know, at this at this stage, I think some people have some rose-colored glasses on how the Soviet Union was and how it operated. And, and I, look, I've looked into matter. I think there's some good things about the Soviet Union that I think we could probably emulate. But holy shit, this police state stuff where they can just invent crimes after the fact and persecute, disappear you, shoot you in the head, charge your family for the bullet, ship you off to labor camp. And, you know, like, I, I get it that there's you can get fucked in similar ways in America, if you're in a particular class or doing particular crimes, but this is on a whole other fucking level. This is just, yeah, at least collectively we can do something about it. You know, that that's the thing that like the government of your country has the ultimate power over you. You want it to be accountable to someone namely you. And no one, that's the other thing is no one is ever safe. Like even the president of the fucking country can be deposed and executed. Like there is, Mm -hmm. It's just it's just the politics of power all the time on steroids and it's it's frightening. Like I this is this is like the in the same kind of way of like the horror of being involuntarily committed to a mental hospital, except for people can beat torture and put a bullet in your brain. It's just I, I was the first time watching this, I was extremely stressed out. Uh, oh yeah. I mean in this in these scenes she's terrified and powerless and it comes through in her yeah. performance and just the way it's filmed. I, I I definitely felt that. Yeah, like like Rambo would be powerless and helpless in this situation. But like when you see Margot mm-hmm. and you and I think they did a really great job of showing like how old she is and how frail she's become and how she's got a, you know, a wrist brace and she's walking with a limp. And every time the soldiers wrench her or chain her to something and she's screaming like, oh, God, it it was a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. T minus three seconds until the ad. Here are the highlights coming up this week on Bald Move. All new Pulp and Prestige this week. On Tuesday, we'll cover the latest episode of The Walking Dead, The Ones Who Live on Pulp. And on Thursday, we'll catch up with the latest Samurai subterfuge on FX Hulu's Shogun. Then on our House of the Dragon feed, Anthony puts on his Maester's class on Monday. And then on Thursday, Steve joins him for Electric Bookaloo as they continue their discussion of George R. R. Martin's A Clash of Kings. Find these and many of our other great podcasts by searching for Bald Move Pulp or Prestige in your favorite podcast app.
touchdown and we're back yep felt pretty bad for her yeah keep keep your police state i would like free health care but you can keep the police state <laughs> yeah so um let's go to the post docking missions Fetlana's side is hurting her and it's been hurting her and the meds she's getting aren't helping so Ed says you know what come by my garden later tonight I wanted to have time to re-watch the chrono scenes I didn't I, I re-watched some season 3 stuff instead to, but I, I was curious of how Svetlana got so badly hurt when Ed who's 70 years old sitting right beside her no mm-hmm. no bubbles no troubles i wasn't sure if she got up during a maneuver or something i can't, I can't remember but uh yeah she, apparently she really hurt herself during the chronos disaster i wonder if it was before the disaster maybe it was the uh maybe it was like putting the the pins into the asteroid or something was it did she say it was during like the she says my side's been hurting since the chronos mission so yeah, I wonder right. if she it just like tweaked her back while she was, you know, inserting those mounts into the asteroid mm-hmm. using the heavy was machinery she doing to space? do that. Because I thought she was the co-pilot. I didn't think she was out there space she was, walking. I thought she was out there with the uh, is it Parker, the guy who died. The Sam was out with her Parker. Samantha was out there with Parker. Yeah, isn't? Oh, this oh, is you're right. So, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm confusing the two. But it You're did right. get pretty violent. I mean, that ship was shaking and twisting and that. Yeah, uh, but hmm. I don't know. Sometimes shortcuts are taken on this show. Sometimes. Were they at zero G? Because Ed cuts the engines at some point. I thought they had to have been at zero G at some point, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm assuming so it's was, like it's when everything gotten shaking around. violently. Because that, that, I mean, that, that mm-hmm. was like... Uh, you know, like like one of those big antenna mounts, and it's just kind of like bobbling back. Like that's what that the Ranger looked like at the end of that asteroid. It was just kind of, but still, yeah, yeah. yeah somehow she got hurt. She's got a glass. Um, hit it's got the cure. Yana. How do what do you Svetlana? Is that her name or Svetlana? Svetlana. Okay, I wasn't sure if the L's are pronounced as Y's over there. Uh, that's how everybody was pronouncing it. I don't ever hear her pronounce her name, so maybe did, that's a Americanization. Of did her Ed name, bust but... out Svetty on her? <laughs> maybe. I think he did when he offered her. It's like, hey, you've said. I think he said Svetty. You've been or no, Sveta. He called her Sveta. Sure, that's like that. a nickname when he flipped the keys to the Ranger to her. Uh huh. All right, let's go back to Earth real quick. Aleda and Kelly show up at Dev's house to pitch him on Seeker. He wants to know about the ROI. Kelly says, well, I don't know. There could be unknown advancements in biotechnology based on what we find. Dev's like, no, nah, that's bullshit. Turn, turns him down. And Kelly tells Dev the hard truth, that he's no longer the optimistic visionary that her mother told her about. And Dev responds by saying, well, yeah, your mother made me that way after she stabbed me in the back. And then they leave. And again, I think this is a highly self-serving way to look at the Karen takeover. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, Karen didn't want to stab Dev in the back. It was happening regardless, and she was and, just and the person who got put into his position. And partially as a re- result of Dev multiply stabbing people in the back and going back on his word and, you know, 
ending in you know the the declaring the democracy over and being a dictator yeah like i but that's kind of dev's thing you know dev is makes a great first impression and the more you hear him talk the more you're like oh boy i want to back out of this deal i mean i i understand why he feels this way like if you're being ousted from the company that you've co-founded and somebody is being put in your place of course you'd be mad at them for taking that job right I, I get it, especially when you were personal friends at that point. At least, you know, they, they had some disagreements, but they, they were friends. But and, the difference yeah. between him and like a true, like a Michael Corleone, you know, like a, like a real pragmatist looking at the chessboard moving pieces coolly mm-hmm. is like he has no self-awareness of how his own moves are impacting the board. Sure. And that's if you're wanting to make power moves, you can't you, you have to think you can't just you just can't you know, when you're playing chess, you can't just play your own game you gotta see what the other guy's doing and what responses they're making and i think that's dev's weakness is he doesn't ever account for that stuff yeah i think i mean he's an egotistic visionary that's that's kind of his personality right he does not think about other people and how his actions are going to affect them and he's got a particular vision for a thing and that is what they're going to do regardless and you know he can give all the votes he wants to the people under him but if they vote the way he doesn't want them to vote he's just going to find another way to get them to vote his way yeah yeah that's that's kind of guy he is yeah and then what's his plan for when people head him off at that pass right seemingly didn't have a plan he had to have one dropped in his lap in this episode so it's to wall yourself off off the the coast of california and mope mope Mm -hmm. for a decade mope for a decade and go to new zealand honestly yeah, it's not far enough away for people. Or the moon. Like, why is Dev not living on the moon in like a oh, billionaire yeah. penthouse condo or the or Mars? Because then Aleda. Well, I mean, they have hotels on the moon now, so Aleda and Kelly could have gone to the moon to speak to him. Yeah, he should. Although have been I gotta on the say, moon. if you are wanting, if just just for pure creature comfort, you can't beat Earth. Yeah, nothing. You're not gonna have an ocean you can go swim in. You don't have a moon. fucking Pacific Ocean on uh-huh. Mars, right? I'm going to lay out under the stars and breathe the fresh night air on yeah. Mars. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's let's go back to Ed. Let's go back up to Happy Valley where Ed shows Svetlana his strawberries, which remind him of Karen. Apparently, they remind Svetlana of her father, who she used to garden with as a child. And this is, you know, poignant because she's unable to speak to him currently, uh, given the situation in the Soviet Union. Ed gives her some of the weed from his secret grow up and she asks him why he smokes and he shows her his shaky hand. It would be right. funny if he just, he just turned off the lights and turned on a black light with like a mushroom poster. It's like, this is why I smoke. Uh, <laughs> you were I, right, man. You called it last episode. We were talking I, about whether that was a dupe or a cigarette or whatever. I secret told- grow up old man Ed here smuggling seeds up. <laughs> Yeah, I was laughing, and Jack, and my son Jack was like, what? It's like, me and Uncle Jim have been joking about Ed's grow-up this whole season, and I'll be damned if he doesn't have one. And it's not, it's mm-hmm. far more elaborate than I would have thought. Like, it's got a secret yeah. panel. I do wonder how he's keeping the odor. Like, I feel like you mm. open, you, you would open that door and like Bob Marley music would roll out. Like, it, it's like the, the, <laughs> well, it's like, there's not enough tomato tank. and strawberry. 
I feel like he's just he's just blowing it out to Mars, right? Like he there's a direct connection outside to Mars from this tank. He's just venting it all out on the surface of the planet. I bet it's they're going to go to terraform Mars and they're going to realize, oh my god, the atmosphere is forty percent THC. What are we? How do we fix this? <laughs> it's a weed. It'll literally grow up anything. Uh, it, didn't, uh-huh. it turns out it doesn't even need oxygen or atmospheric pressure. It just it's out of control. Yeah, it's going to be like V'ger. There's going to be a big smoke cloud that comes back to Earth looking for its father or something. I need you to validate my calibrators here uh, or calibrate my sensors because I'm a degenerate shipper. I see people uh, that have any excuse to have a love connection. I just fucking want to make it because why not? You get any of that here between Sveta and Eddie? Yes, and... It's Especially weird. Teed off at the previous scene, the way he, she's like, uh-huh. "Why would I meet you at the garden at night?" Because I asked you to. It's like, well, then how can I say there? There's something flirty there. Yep, I don't like it because it's also mixed up with the daddy stuff. Uh, like, oh, gardening reminds you of working in the garden with your father. Oh huh? shit, old man Ed, and now you're rubbing down his fingers. I. Mm. I'm not so sure That's about where it this starts one, man. rubbing finger rub downs, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I I didn't see this coming either. But um, it's interesting, yeah. And it's like, is he seeing her as like a Karen? So, because like the way it was the boat, the way they're both kind of talking about their losses and who they're missing yeah. and thinking about as a doves tell. And I, yeah, again, they're both adults. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think there's like an age, like the age gap when one person's 40 and the other person's like 70, you know, like surely the 40 year olds got their eyes wide open. Is Ed supposed to be 50 or 65? I really can't I think he's supposed to be, yeah, late 60s, early 70s. Um, If you assume that he was in his like late 20s and season one. His hair for 70, but he's got good genetics, man. good, Good genes. He's got mostly a full head of hair. You know that that forehead's turned into a bit of a five head, but it's <laughs> it's uh, it's 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 holding on. Maybe the lack of gravity, the hair, it doesn't pull at the hair follicles as strong. So, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't smack me as particularly egregious as far as an age gap goes. Though, I could be just completely misjudging his age. It does seem like it's a complication, though, because you've got oh, two yeah. senior command people in the command staff who are from separate governments who might be splitting or ha- having more of a hardliner stance go- starting like this, you know, what, September, December love affair right <laughs> sure. under Danny's watch. I Yeah. Or maybe he's yeah. just smoking her up. I don't know. But I definitely got sparks flying. Yeah, I did, too. I'm a little worried about it. We'll see how that okay. progresses. We'll see which All progresses right. faster, their romance or his degenerative disease. <laughs> my degenerate shipping. All right. Nice to the know my sensors are, are properly calibrated. Yep. Uh, I like that Wayne was the one to give him the seeds. Of he... course it was, too. <laughs> right. I pretty much I said that, too. It's like, uh-huh. yeah, you yeah. can get seeds. You can see how small marijuana seeds are. But, uh, yeah, test tube will get you a whole fucking crop. And mm-hmm. I knew it was going to, if anybody's going to be Wayne. Yeah, of course. Wayne should live on Mars. Wayne should be the, the, the gardener. Yeah. 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 Um, 
late at night, Dev's working out, and he gets a wild hair to look at the secret proposal. Or at least he looks at the secret proposal's cover and has an idea. He's inspired. That's the thing. The first time I watched this, I was very, I'm like, oh, of course, he's, you know, like, uh, they lit a fire under his ass. He has been kind of, like, it, sunk in his own craptitude for 10 years. He's ready. He's got a fortune. He's ready to make a big, yeah. like, privately back play. Might, might like, compete with Helios. Cause him some Lunas or something. And on second and subsequent watches, it's a lot darker, you know? Mm-hmm. And they do a good job of setting this up in the episode to where you would think, oh, maybe he's having a change of heart, right? Like a later, mm-hmm. or sorry, Kelly drops a whole bunch of shit on him about his personality and uh, the surfer at the beginning is telling him he's a fascist. Like there's a lot of people telling him he's heading the wrong direction and this opportunity drops in his lap. Maybe this is what he needed to change his mind, get out of his funk. But then yeah. you watch the final scene with him and you're like, oh, no, this is just Dev being Dev. Dev so, lifting, we'll lifting, lifting heavy weight, no spotter. Yeah, well, he's got a pad. He's got that foam pad. So if the <laughs> if the two hundred pounds he's benching does drop on his chest, he'll just bounce right off. I guess you can. I guess you can shrug your way out of it or something. I just like, man, it seems dangerous. Oh, it is. Yeah, for sure. Uh, a new guard in Margot's cell, um, a colonel actually, returns and, and frees her. And he brings in the last guard and he starts breaking fingers until the man tells him about the call he made to the phone number. Colonel tells uh, Margot that she was contacted by the people behind the coup and then shoots the guard in the head. And then he chains Margot up and starts asking questions about the woman who gave her the card. <laughs> this is like, she thinks she's free. She thinks she's getting out. And then suddenly she's right back in it. Yeah, it's out of the frying pan into the fire. And I didn't mm-hmm. quite follow, you know, obviously there's some KGP internal pol- politics and I, I wasn't quite, I don't know who this guy is. The first guy's a police lieutenant. This guy's a colonel in the army, but he could be a colonel in the KGB because they have, like oh. one of their directorates I think is a military arm. Um, gotcha. But they have their own kind of like private army for security and whatnot. Um, but he could also just because he, he mentioned to her is like the army's working to restore Gorbachev to power. But it seems like the police thought it was the third directorate. And he said, no, this goes right to the second directorate, which is the like I said, the super scary KGB that kind of spies on everybody, including Russian citizens. Mm-hmm. But I, I wasn't quite sure following. And then like when the older guy, the bigger, even funnier hat shows up later. Uh, yeah, like the, the bullfinch wrangler. I'm trying to get at like who 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 does she work for? Um, and uh, I, I don't I even know that I'm sure by the end of the episode. That's what I'm saying. I watched this a bunch of times and I'm not quite sure because that's the thing. It's like things move fast in a coup and you have mm-hmm. to make a lot of split second decisions about where your allegiances lie or you're going to get the bullet. And this lieutenant chose wrong. It's not clear to me that the colonel is right or if he, you know, they just lost a power struggle and a more powerful person came. I just don't know. I don't know. Um, especially since you can't hear their conversations. But yeah, as I as I recall reading um, about this actual coup that happened, uh, uh-huh. it was a semi-successful coup. It was not, yeah. they, they did not overthrow the government and return you know, Soviet Union and communism, but they did reach a fairly 
amenable uh, agreement with them and mm-hmm. basically neutered Gorbachev's power. Um, mm-hmm. And they have a new president installed, right? So, like, obviously that happened here as well. And I, I assume, like, whatever agreement they've come to, a lot of the old players in the Gorbachev government are out. Uh, specifically, yeah. what's her name who ran the Star City operation? Because now it seems like Cortiche, right? That was her name, Cortiche. Yeah. Uh, It seems like this woman, Elena or Ilyana, I forget her name, is now running that. Yeah. Um, But it's just, yeah, it's it's who's talking to who and who's rolling in. And the the way I love the way this guy refers to, I'm sorry, I got mixed up in our uh, politics. And like, just (laughs) how they're trying to. And, and yeah, and the, the, like that they're trying to make it legal retrospectively. Like we just did a coup, and now we're trying to mm-hmm. find enough people higher up in the government to put enough pressure on them to say this is a constitutionally approved. So like sure. we can all get our ducks in a row and tell the West, no, this was not a coup. No, yeah. no, no, save no, some no. face. This is a this is a vote of no confidence. That you know, there's some confusion because things happen quickly, but it's all under control now. And you know, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's the Emperor Palpatine. I will make it legal. You know, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, this this is what I was worried about the entire time with this number and Margot's situation is that the, we were going, she was going to get wrapped up in a situation that had 16 layers to it. And apparently yeah. that is exactly what happened. You know, this phone number is not just a phone number by someone who wants to, you know, get her information that she has about NASA. It's It's far deeper than that. And that's how, much, how these things go. How much hearing loss did Margot experience when that colonel whipped out? It's probably thirty-eight it. caliber and and shot shot this dude in a six by six concrete room. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, I can't help but think about that every oh, time dude. that happens on TV. Oh god. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The first five minutes of the interrogation should have been Margot just been like, "What? What? <laughs> I'm speaking your mother tongue. Can't hear you." Yeah. All I hear is. <laughs> All right, let's go back to Happy Valley, where Miles has decided he's taken it upon himself to upgrade Ilya's still. Seems that Ilya's kind of happy about it until it blows out the still, uh, the thermostat on it specifically. So Ilya fires Miles, and apparently it's going to take two months to get a new uh, thermostat up there, but they find out there's one in the North Korean area. And Miles thinks he can knock on their door and get it, but his friends won't join him, so he's going to have to go it alone. My question is, so his his roommate Rich here tells him, like, oh, the base has got lots of thermostats, but they're all the new technology type that we switched off of. Mm-hmm. My question is, like, why the fuck is it easier to steal one from North Koreans than retrofitting the still to use the new thermostat? Yeah, like, I had that These same are thought. not complicated devices. Mm-hmm. I don't know other than it's more dramatic. Yeah, I do. That's the thing. It's like, I do wonder about the shortcuts that the show, I started noticing a show taking to get the narrative things in, in season three. And like, I, it seems like every time they touch on something that I know anything about in mechanical or engineering, it's like, Hmm. And I wonder like what other things that they're sh- cut, cutting short, shut shortcutting that I don't know enough about to know, but maybe, I mean, maybe fair game. Like, 
you know if uh it's just hvac guys that are like laughing up their sleeves and rolling their eyes about this then 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 maybe that's a good work of fiction but uh mm-hmm. it doesn't feel as crunchy as the earlier seasons they, they could have at the very least addressed that right with a line of dialogue like yeah we could do that but the parts to to make it fit the still would take three months to get up here or so. they're a lot more closely inventoried, like the new stuff. Like sure. the only reason Ilya was able to get the old one is because it was all thrown out and nobody cared. And now it's like, yeah, but they yeah, there's a hundred ways to address that with a little bit of dialogue there. They just mm. didn't. Yeah. Which makes me so. think they don't know. So. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it was the, the research. And it was the first shit, question not... I had when uh-huh. they said, yeah. oh yeah, we've got new thermostats. I'm like, okay, can't you make those fit? Yeah. Yeah, because it's again, it's 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 not this isn't like a rock. Like I, I watch these guys like take fucking guidance computers from North Korean satellites and shove it into a Martian ascent module and everything I've works. Seen Apollo you, 13. Yeah. Just give them yeah. some duct tape. It'll work. Yeah. You get square CO2 scrubbers and the round CO2 scrubber holes with nothing but duct mm-hmm. tape and Jim Lovell's underwear. And <laughs> Ilya can't get a still to use an old or new thermostat. Come on. Yeah, you're telling me you can't bust apart some of Sam's vibrator and get that thing working? You could do it. There are enough pieces in that thing. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not, yeah, if I go back Couple to like... rings w- Watching the old Moonshiners episodes on Discovery. Do you need a thermostat to run a still? I don't think those hillbillies uh, in no, the, the Appalachia digging you know, holes in the ground and, and brewing hooch. I don't think they had fancy Russian thermostats no you, you you could do it by feel like if you were familiar enough with the process you could definitely like fudge it and just yeah. make it work but you'd have to babysit it and i don't know that Ilya has time to babysit mm, the still that might be true see he may I imagine he has a full-time job right yeah like he's he, got to read to be on be the, doing... the bus uh, on the yes. base he's he's well maybe with the asteroid binding mission not as not going off he doesn't have as much to do Maybe he was going to be on that mission, and I don't know. The other thing is, like, it is uh, it's kind of crazy that he doesn't have any underlings. Like, he is the big guy running this massive smuggler, and he's also the bartender. Yeah, yeah. You would think you'd pay somebody to run the bar, but yeah, that's a lot of trust. So the bar must only be open certain hours, right? Like, you can't just go down there whenever you want and grab a drink. Oh, I imagine. I mean, real life bars are open certain hours, so I imagine. The yeah. Martian base one is too. Probably. We'll be right back after this spacewalk. FX is adapting James Clavell's best selling novel, Shogun, into a 10 part miniseries this spring. Set in the shogunate period of Japan at the turn of the 15th century, Shogun depicts the rise of a feudal lord to Shogun, as seen through the eyes of a shipwrecked English sailor. It's loosely based on the real-life exploits of William Adams and Tokugawa Ieyasu. Shogun has already been successfully adapted back in 1980 with a widely acclaimed miniseries starring Richard Chamberlain, featuring intricate plots, political scheming, complex characters, and thrilling action. This time, husband and wife team Justin Marks and Rachel Kondo try to recapture the successes of the novel and early adaptations while increasing the levels of historical and cultural accuracy that are often perceived as flaws of this and similar works. Starring Hiroyuki Sanada from The Last Samurai, Mortal Kombat, and John Wick 4, 
with Cosmo Jarvis of Peaky Blinders, Raised by Wolves, etc., joining the truly massive cast required to bring this complex world to life. Join Aaron and I each week as we deep dive into each episode, uncovering the mysteries, the intrigue, and the glory of Shogun. Shogun premieres on FX Hulu Tuesday, February 27th at the two-part debut. Our podcast will release each Thursday thereafter. Get our Shogun coverage by searching for Bald Move Prestige in your favorite podcast app. Rick, how you doing, buddy? You, you don't know what it's like out there. Hey, man, d- do you even know what it's like out there? N- no, n- not really. I've been mostly kind of flying around in helicopters, carving likenesses of Michonne into cell phones, that kind of thing. W- what is it like out there? Oh, well, I think it's time to find out, man. Last I saw your wife, Michonne, was out uh, following a giant wagon train. That, that sounds pretty weird, but it seems like a family-friendly outfit. I mean, she's got RJ and Judah with her, right? Um, actually, she kind of left them to be raised by Negan and Daryl. Well, crap. Hold on, let me get my boots. All right, well, Rick is getting ready. Aaron and I are, too. We're preparing to once again recommission the Watching Dead out of mothball status to find out what's going on with Rick and Michonne, the ones who live. The six-part miniseries premieres Sunday, February 25th on AMC, and we'll be ready with our full episodic coverage each Tuesday. And afterwards, who knows? Maybe we'll check out Dead City. Find our coverage for The Ones Who Live by searching for The Watching Dead or Bald Move Pulp wherever you listen to podcasts. Strap in. We're diving into more for all mankind. All right, let's uh, talk some more about Miles here. He uses his maintenance access to fake a methane leak in the Korean section of the base, getting the Koreans to evacuate. And he goes into the area and steals their fridge's thermostat. Unfortunately, he gets caught by Lee, and he explains that it's for Ilya still, and Lee lets him keep it in exchange for a favor. I... What... I, I guess the only the only problem I have with this is the fact that NASA was so nonchalant about the coolant leak. They're like, oh, there's already Helios tech there. Just cancel the alarm. It's like, do you don't want to call the guy or like call the North Korean side that the, is experiencing the leak and coordinate just no, just nah, just just a just a methane leak in the North Korean side. Uh, yeah, our tech's know, got it. It's on the other side. The DM DMZ. I'm, I'm actually super impressed that the or, or like surprised that north koreans don't have their own technical staff that can like do that yeah because yeah if you're gonna abandon your module and let some american in there to fuck with your shit like yeah he could he could installed 17 different listening devices in the span if he was actually there to do that instead of like stealing shit from your fridge so mm-hmm. i i don't know yeah, the I, politics I, up there must be pretty complicated right like is this something that the other the the other M7 powers are sort of keeping the North Koreans in check by not allowing them to have a full self-service area of the base up there. Well, um, I'm, I also love to know why North Korean has a base up there. Like, I get that they got their first man on Mars, but, like, are they paying? Like, because they had a... That was, like, what, 10 people working on that side of the base? 
Um, Maybe, if that. Like, yeah, Happy Valley much. is not a North Korean installation. Like, if they're there, it must be by invitation and with the blessings of the international community. It's like, I, I wish they would go more into yeah. that other than like, oh, it's just it's a, it's a DMZ. It's like South Korea, North. Well, no. North Korea, like, lives there. You know, mm -hmm. like, it'd be like North Korea coming to, uh, like, I don't know, Florida. And j then then saying, yeah, we want we want to stay in Florida. We want to. Yeah. How do they get their vibrators? How do they get their condoms? Uh, sure. Like, true. You know, how do they get their food? I, there, I didn't see any lady North Koreans on that base. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Mm hmm. Hmm. Not have to worry about reproduction then, unless <laughs> unless life's going to find a way. Yeah. Like Jeff, <laughs> like Jeff said on Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I would like to know more about that too. I hope they get into it. And I have a feeling we're going to be dealing a lot more with the North Koreans here pretty soon. Yeah. And that's the thing. I'd say the other reason I'm a little surprised they're doing this Russian stuff is I thought as Russia moves closer to the United States that North Korea was going to be the new kind of like boogeyman, but the mm -hmm. new kind of like, uh, but it, now nah, it's, it's a weird mishmash of what my expe expectations were coming in. So I'm curious to see how this all both. plays out. Uh, yeah. I mean, my first thought when he goes up and knocks on the door and, and starts like trying to get them to evacuate it, he's going to cause world war three. He's going to cause an international incident here. That's yeah. going to spiral out of his control, and just because some dumb fuck wanted a thermostat for his still, and I still I got, think that's the way it's headed. Yeah, it's just man. Uh, you compare like where we're at in like season two, where you had mm -hmm. Marines riding ride of the Valkyrie Shooting on people in their air landers, yeah, rolling up on dudes <laughs> with M16s and vent. Like this is uh -huh. not the stakes that that was. Nope. <laughs> but it still could cost World War Three. That's the funny thing. You're right I know. About that. Yeah, it could pop off at any time. Uh all right, let's go back to Kelly and Aleda getting home and finding Dev in in uh Kelly's living room here. He apologizes to Kelly for his comments about her mother and says that he's decided to help them try to convince some of the stockholders of Helios to take over the company so that they can get the secret program going. And so they decide to Divide and conquer here. We'll talk about their uh, Alita going to Bill here in a second. Uh, pretty convoluted strategy to take over the company, but I think it provides good drama. Uh, I'm into it. Yeah, a couple people pointed out in feedback uh, between this week and last that Kelly should have a small fortune of her own. And I'm, I thought about it, I'm like, of course, because we know that Karen was loaded from the hotel yeah. buyout. And then she became a partner in Helios, and yeah, she died, but those would absolutely go to her next of kin and, and confirm this episode. Kelly is mm -hmm. kind of loaded. I, I'm curious about how, you know, because like what they're, they're trying to get the 51%, right? That's the thing. That's the magic yeah. number of ownership where you can kind of take things over. So between Dev's personal stake in Helios, uh, the Kelly shares that she inherited from her mom... And then these other, like they said 10, 20 key stakeholders, apparently Bill's one of them, early guy. Yeah, 20 Helios, mm -hmm. um, That they're going to try to, they're going to scrape together 51 plus percent of the shares and just, just hostile takeover. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's Batman Begins plot. It's, it's a good plan. Uh, I, I just look at it and I go, it's Dev Iessa. He has, in my opinion, zero interest and zero 
plans to actually go ahead with the seeker program once he takes over his company what he sees is an opportunity to get his company back i in, think that's probably true i don't know the, what assurances because like before he, he has no way to get kelly's shares right if he comes to kelly and says i want to take my company back she'd be like yeah well fuck you why would i help you do that but now she wants something she wants to get in on the secret program and he's like i can use this and I can use the loyalty that people have built up over the years to Kelly and Aleda to get them to sell their shares. And yeah, he's an opportunist and this is a big opportunity. And like Dev, his history with me is like, he talks a good game about exploration and advancing humanity and uh, all that. And I think he means it. I think he definitely does style himself as an explorer. The mm -hmm. problem is he has no principles and how he pursues that. And like yeah. there is no like uh, he gets everybody on board with the common, exciting goal. And then when the going gets tough and there's tough decisions that have to be made about how they should proceed during this, then that he doesn't get any of that buy in. He just does whatever he thinks is right, whether that is abandoning people that need rescuing in space, whether it's mm -hmm. pushing, you know, uh, priorities and timelines too fast. I, yeah, I do not trust Dev. I do not trust that. I don't think the show, I think that like, I don't think uh, by the end of this episode, I don't think Kelly and Alayda do either. Yeah, they shouldn't. I mean, the, the thing that I've learned about Dev this episode is that he feels like human beings. He, he, he's a misanthrope at this point. It feels like, um, he's, he took away from the Karen lesson, the idea that he can't trust anyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think that's coming back full force. As soon as he has seized control, you see what he does, right? Everybody who's ever spied at him, everybody who's ever done anything against his own egotistic goals, he's now striking them down. Yeah. He's taking he's taking revenge. And yeah. that's the kind of guy Dev is now. And whether it's due just to Karen's betrayal, quote unquote betrayal of him, or it's something that has always been there in his personality. Now I think we're going to see it come to the forefront and it's going to bite Kelly and Aleda like almost immediately. Yeah. I expect next episode of them to go into his office. All right, let's talk about the secret program. And he's like, what program? Get yeah. out, of, get out of here. Leave. Yeah, that's not that doesn't align with our objectives. <laughs> yeah. Now, I think he does need. He probably needs Kelly for her shares still to do some of the maneuvering that he might want to do because she has a big chunk of them. But I think he's going to be, if that's the case, Ooh, he's going to be working in the he, background. He does have to kind of keep the coalition together. A little bit, yeah. Because the yeah, same thing could happen to him, right? If if he's right. an asshole and 51% of the shareholders go, you're an asshole, we're taking over. And they don't need they don't need to campaign 51%. If it's truly he owns 51% of the company with all the shares together, like Bill could be like, fuck you, Dev. And right. boom, it goes with his 2% shares, flip it back to the other guy. Yeah, totally. So... We'll see. I, I'm expecting Dev to do a little placating of Kelly and Aleda while he's consolidating yeah. his power within Helios and then just flipping the switch and saying, yeah, I'm shutting down this program or whatever. Or in the meantime, there's a miraculous breakthrough in the science and he sees the ROI and suddenly he's on board with it. Counterpoint. Yeah. What if he fully funds? Because it, it seems like this is kind of pocket change to him, much less Helios. What if he fully funds it to keep them happy and they just have to decide whether they're going to swallow the shittier and shittier things that happen to Helios as a result of him? Because, like, do you think sure. workers' lives are going to improve under dev stewardship on Mars or get worse? Mm. 
I'm not sure, but I would bet on the latter, the way he's talking by the end of this episode. His, hmm. And, and how yeah, does it's, the NASA Because his employees about... at Helios on Earth seemed like they were pretty happy by and large. He treated them pretty well. I Now, well, they're not miners, right? They're people paid... directly working on the software and yeah. hardware that he needs to go to Mars. So, like... Maybe he's less sympathetic toward peons, but and it's he, yet to be seen how he treats them, I think. And I think he paid lip service to treating them well. Like when push comes to shove, he was willing Sometimes, to yeah. fuck them over and abandon them and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah. if they made the wrong decision, he, it he might would. be a more interesting dramatic scenario to have Kelly and Aleda having to decide whether they want to give up their dream to oppose uh, Dev rather than Dev just must twat, you know just just instantly betray them for no good reason. Sure. Here's the knife that your mother stuck in stuck in my back, Kelly. You can have it back, you know. Like, and then at some point, Aleda goes, "You know what? I bet we'd have more luck in the public sector. Let's take this idea to NASA." <laughs> and suddenly they're back <laughs> in their old position because that seems to be how it goes. Mm-hmm. Gotta go see the wet bandit again. Yeah. Uh, all right, Aleda approaches Bill with her Helios proposal, and Bill says he'll do it, but he wants to know why she would walk away from NASA for this, and she explains what's been going on in her head uh, for the last eight years, and she invites him to come back to work with her, but he says he's never coming back. Boy, both of so these characters... Bill- I watched the finale episode of last year, and I, ha- I had to do some fair scanning, because that's like an hour and a half episode. I didn't see, and I looked specifically where Margot is addressing the space center, uh, the mission operations control room for the last time before she walks out, and I thought surely they'd pan over his face if he was there. And I also lo- looked at all the disaster, like, you know, all of, um, uh, 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 God damn it, who, who is the blind lady? Uh, Margo. No, uh, so- sorry, Molly Cobb. Molly, yes, Molly mm-hmm. Cobb. Molly Cobb leading people out and he wasn't there it would make sense for him to I don't I don't I don't think they're cheating if it turns out Bill was there possibly I think they're establishing because the way he talks about the burning plastic and stuff like that's that's someone that's talking about a shared trauma yeah you know I think so so I think he got injured in the blast uh enough to put him in a wheelchair it seems like it yeah and he's been pretty salty about it I mean he's He's clearly angry. You know, he says he's not angry at Aleda, but he's angry. How would you not be if you got yeah. blown up by a bunch of eco terror, like not even eco, echo, economic terrorists, and you lose your legs and you're already the piss baby at NASA and you finally got yeah. what you thought you deserved oh, to Helios. And now, you know, and like, it's funny because he's kind of doing my dream. Uh, have plenty yeah. of money, just sitting building models. <laughs> Dude, I, <laughs> I saw his house. I'm like, this is the house I want. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Bill's a goddamn Chad. He's mm-hmm. he's got life figured out. If he could just uh, get over the the anger. Um, but but right? yeah, yeah. Um, and I love that line when Helena's you know explaining how her life has been falling apart, right? And her she she can't do manned space travel anymore. And she walked out of the room like she left her post. And Bill's like, at least you didn't pee your pants. I was wondering if they would reference that. <laughs> but do you know that's what makes Bill the hero, right? He stayed at his post even though it was black. Yes, that's the thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. and then he got just shit on for it. 
Yeah. Like he did the right thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I, I felt that's so bad tra- for Bill. I guess that is traumatic, but traumatic, but not like getting blown up traumatic, uh, which he no. also experienced apparently. But I, yeah. I, I thought this was real good because like this is, I guess, the third Mar- step Martin reveal of a latest internal uh, yeah. you know, things going on. But like we kind of surmised all this just by the performance and what she was doing. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think it, they do a really good job still with even the shortcuts they take in other areas. The character work they do is exquisite. Like all this made and sense. It's, like it's always been great between Elena and Bill. Every time they're on screen together, I love it. Yeah, and it's like I understand why he's mad, but I also understand why he instantly kind of forgave her, and I understand why she stayed away, and he kind of does too, even though he's like it's not right, mm-hmm. but. And what really twists the knife in my gut is where at the end he, you know, after they kind of made peace, he's like, hey, do whatever you want to share as I trust you. Mm -hmm. That, I think, is designed to make us feel a little bit like, oh, God, should should he trust Aleda? Should and 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 if if he what would Bill say if well, he knows, like as soon as she said we're getting with Dev AS, he's like, oh, Jesus Christ, like that's not something that he's super enthused about, but he trusts her. So that means something obviously is going to go wrong. <laughs> All right, I'll sign it. Do whatever you want with my shares. And they're gone. <laughs> Dev, yeah, like Dev is just going to hoover those things up, man. I'm, I'm telling uh, you. I also uh, love that where, you know, like I, f- I forgot about how bitterly opposed they were about Margot. And she does the like, we're not having this argument again. And she tries to win the <laughs> argument. And he's like, oh, yeah. I guess we are having this argument. I fucking loved it so much. Yeah, it's, uh, the dynamic really fun. A lot of love and a lot of, uh, you know, uh, I don't I don't know what to call it. There, there's a friction there too, but there always has. Been. But it's like you know, it's like kind of like uh, what Raylan and Boyd at the end of Justify, like we dug coal together. Mm-hmm. Like there is a special thing about serving side by side in the infancy of the space race. Like there is a bond that only you that sat in that room and had those experiences probably understand in a way that no one else can. Totally. They, they, they did man space flight together and uh, mm-hmm. that's always going to be something that bonds them. Speaking of bondage, uh, the Colonel has Margot in bondage, uh, <laughs> continues asking her questions about woman in the park. Would she you send she... some sparks flying? <laughs> Some some fifty no. some fifty shades Maybe of red. Maybe if he were sharpening knives, <laughs> those are the only sparks flying. Let me take you to my cement gray room of pain, Margot. <laughs> Teach you the pleasures so. of the flesh. Uh, she insists that she doesn't know who the woman is, and then a higher-ranking officer intervenes, and the colonel releases Margot. She's bagged and put on a transport while some ominous music plays. And this is like, I mean, this is very Tom Clancy. When when I say Russian as fuck, it's usually I'm saying Tom Clancy as fuck. But like, this is, feels like a very Russian thing to do. That you have lost. This person's going to be free, but you fuck with them, mm-hmm. and in a way that probably can't get. Yeah, it's like, well, okay. It's like you know, did did the bullfinch wrangler order her to be bagged and made it seem like she's going to be shot in the fucking woods? No, but this guy can do it. So fuck mm-hmm. this woman. I'm gonna scare the shit out of her. And if she has a heart attack on the way, oh well, you know. It's yeah. it's just a very Russian, very Russian thing to do. Totally. To the point where I knew she was being released. I, I was not fooled by this. I didn't think they were going to kill Margot here. Right. But but uh Margot herself did. And the oh, way yeah. she finally at this point because that that are you surprised that she 
I I get the feeling that she was fighting hard to maintain the 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 secrecy of the bullfinch. I I don't know what she could have said about that person though. She doesn't know anything about her. I agree, but I think she was trying to like say because like she could have said a whole bunch of shit, and she was scared enough when once the blood splash in her face and dude start breaking fingers i think like if i was in that position absolutely i'd be like this woman's about mid-60s she had a scarf on her head she had this thing she's talked about bullfinches and being patient and about the space i would have sang like a bullfinch like a migrating bullfinch and it, they imply that Margot wasn't doing that. She was trying, like, like when she meets the bullfinch wrangler, she says, like, I tried to, like, she was trying to protect her. And it's like, how does Margot Why? in this position, it's what I'm saying. Why would she yeah. do that? Why would she think that this person is better than the other person? Why would she know which side of the poly? It, it, it seemed, yeah. it seemed kind of crazy. She's not part of the apparatus here. She's a bystander, essentially. I, yeah. Like, why was she bossing up against this political coup? It didn't quite make sense to me. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. I didn't notice that line uh, later when she's talking to her. So that's very strange. Uh, let's go back to Helios where Richard Hill, or I guess not back to Helios. Uh, Richard Hilliard gives the 2002 financial report to the stockholders. Dev comes in the room and interrupts to say that he is now the CEO of the company and he starts firing people on the spot. Now, I have problems with this scene, but I think it's also a very exciting and good scene in a lot of ways. My real, really my only problems stem from like his line about you've been locked out of your emails and your accounts and, and the building get out of my face. That can't happen. That, that, there is no self-respecting IT worker who would lock the CEO out of a company that on the, on the word of a disgraced former employee coming in and claiming I'm the CEO now. No, that would not happen. He would need so many levels of management to come to him and say, yes, this is in fact true. Do this. Yeah. I think you're right about that. Now, of course, we didn't see how he went into the company. Maybe why he knew there was a meeting of the board and but they were all. But he surprises everyone. I know, but he didn't go to the. This isn't the front door. This isn't the lobby of Helios, right? Mm-hmm. This is probably the sure. inner sanctum. So, like, I'm assuming he went to the front door with like some lawyers and paperwork and said, "This is what's happening." I'm and then like I I, I don't know. Like I, I'm trying to give him the benefit I, you, of the doubt that yeah, you, we just saw the last paperwork. the master stroke. We saw the master stroke, right? We, we did, yeah, totally. I just don't know how. <laughs> I just don't know how you get in that door with anything other than an army until it becomes like official. Official, you you need. And, and the I mean, there, way that there would be well, opportunities and, for lawsuits and like you can't just stroll into any company with paperwork, whether it's real or not, and take over. You don't have to talk about you take it to the IT worker level like these all these C-suite executives that like devs like and you're fired. And they just get up and they grab their shit and they walk out. You would think Now I noticed that Richard Hilliard um, does like dev tells him to get it, but he's kind of like milling behind the podium behind. He doesn't leave like. Huh. You know, I thought there, there. I think there should have been more pandemonium, in in terms of like, you know, this totally. should have been, this felt like a masterstroke 
um, rather than like the phase one of the takeover. But I, it made for a more exciting scene. And what I really loved about it yeah. is Aleda and Kelly confidently beaming as he starts talking about Icarus and the small mind and we're going to do science again. And then by the end of the scene, you look at them and they look like they both swallowed bowling balls and want to throw them mm-hmm. up. Uh, it's a great, it tells us the audience because like, you know, I don't know. Maybe these people all had to go. Maybe, you know, because he's getting rid of people's like, you guys didn't even want us to go to Mars in the That's first the place. You got to get out. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And the guy at the top that uh-huh. took over from you, all right, he's probably got to go. Finance department? And then he starts well, he like bitching out people by name? Yeah, yeah. So he's the thing that has me tripped up a little bit is he's firing, I think, the right people, generally speaking. Uh, he apparently doesn't think he needs a finance department because he is financing the whole thing now himself mm-hmm. i guess i don't know what i don't know what the status of helios is after he fires them but he fires a lot of people for reasons that i think are probably valid like one of the things he says is hey you you're fired because the sub- the subsidies you arranged for the helium 3 project were criminal get yeah. out of here yeah. uh you over here you didn't want to go to mars at all get out of here you're not on board with my vision for the future of helios I think he's largely saying the right things in this scenario, but it's very scary the way he's doing it. It's yeah. cold. It's calm. It's it's, it's a little bit like he, he, the the emphatic nature with which he's firing people feels very mm. personal, feels very spiteful, even if he's firing them for the right reasons or the right people. I, I'd be very scared if I were Kelly and Aleda that they just unleashed a beast. And it does seem like there's moves they can make. He's just like hand waving them away. It's like if you take give me a poison pill, I'll swallow it. Sure. If you try to block it, I'll go to SEC. If the SEC's and it's like Yeah, I don't know. It's very it's very Aaron Sorkin kind of dialogue where it's like a confident, powerful person's talking fast and aggressive, and you're just kinda of like, I guess, but like all these other powerful, aggressive, confident people are just completely getting their asses wiped because the writers yeah. want it that way. But like I guess I'd and rather caught on the back foot here, they don't they didn't know this was going to happen. Devs had premeditated uh, opportunities to come up with a strategy. So, yeah, he knows. And and like all the language he's using, I think is is right. Um, it's understandable. Now, I'm I'm not like you know some titan of industry. I don't know these terms exactly, but I was reading into them a little bit. And that poison pill thing, I assume what he means when he says he'll swallow the poison pill is he'll just keep fucking buying stock. Because a poison pill is where, like, okay, you have a majority share, uh, a majority uh, holdings of the the shares, but we're going to go ahead and issue a whole bunch of new shares to dilute your percentage so that you can't actually get to the 51% you would need to control mm-hmm. this company. I think what he's saying is I'll just, I'll just, I got money, man. Money means nothing to me. I will keep buying this stuff until you dilute yourself into poverty, essentially. Because, oh, yeah, it'll destroy the company. Helios just issued 400 million new shares. Right. What's happening over there? And investors lose confidence. And yeah. So so I think like it roughly tracks, but like it's scary the way he's doing it. It also implies that they could have all he could have always done that. If he could just keep buying shares, he could have always just done a hostile takeover. He just didn't have the gumption. He didn't have the he was too depressed to lick in his wounds to do it. Well, I mean, he's got the poison pill opportunity here because he has the majority shareholders behind him, I mm-hmm. think. If he didn't, then he wouldn't be able to buy his way into that position. That's what I'm saying it 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 seems to me like they're 
vomited out a whole bunch of financial bro terms that I don't quite understand and probably they don't either just to be like, oh, Dev has got this, you know. This well, is the poison the, pill thing, is... I think, is a way to keep him from getting in the position he's in, not a way to get him out. If he's willing to keep buying, it's not a way to push him out of the position he's on. Hmm. Okay, it just makes it painful. Yeah, which he doesn't care because he doesn't care about the money, I guess. Uh, but what it's really doing here is showing that Dev Iesa is back, right? Yeah, and it's like... like he he's like he goes from early season three dev talking about the Icarus and and going mm-hmm. back to exploration and getting back to and then like by the end of the conversation he's like late season three dev where he's kind of like yeah. petty and vengeful and so I think this is his new personality you know he is mm-hmm. the the visionary but he's no longer the optimist he's no longer the guy who trusts anyone he's gonna run things with an iron fist and we'll see how that works out sweet can't wait um let's i guess go over to Ilya. his still is back in action and miles got his job back uh miles shows Ilya his new customer lee unfortunately his customer doesn't want booze he only wants one thing smuggled onto the station his wife seems like a big ask and he's like blow up doll with her face on it best i can do <laughs> right he pawn stars him because like that's uh-huh. the thing so i if, if it feels to me like the conflict here is going to be we are in debt to this guy and the debt is unpayable so you think so can you explain how they're going to get a north korean citizen to mars they won't they won't they, 100 they can't here's here's the thing they could do though and the thing i think he really means is he wants to speak with his wife I don't think the North Koreans are allowing communication with his wife. The Russians having priority comms, I think, is going to solve that for him. Okay. That's literally not what he said. Because I, right. I was going to go... But it's what he means, right? It can't, he can't literally mean what he said. Dude, I don't know. Because like, like, the thing is, like, North Korean culture is so different from ours that like maybe he thinks that there's the... It's In so America, lax and loosey-goosey could... and capitalism. Money can do anything that he... <laughs> Because that's the thing. I, that's the other thing from Tom Clancy. A lot of the thing, a lot of the gas that makes those novels go is the fact that the Soviets cannot comprehend the American way of thinking, and the Americans cannot comprehend why. Because like it, it, they're they're looking at like the same chessboard. They're like Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, why did that guy move that rook? And the Americans are like, Oh my God, why? It's like they don't understand what the other are doing because in, in their mind they wouldn't do that they would do the other thing because they don't have the yeah. political the economic the cultural things that and it's like i mean that's the thing is like we all say that people are all the same but we're really not we have big kind of like cultural bubbles and spheres of influence and there are definitely things lost in translation at, at big stages so it it it's i i took it as like yeah he wants him to get the wife and i was going to wear like Ilya and uh my milosh here we're gonna have to kill him somehow oh my to keep god their secret that's i thought they were going for like yeah they Ooh. were going to murder this band which is going to jump start i'm looking for a big criminal uh plot line from this season and going forward i, I kind of am too with all the smuggling stuff that's happened yeah but but i'll look like a I, big idiot if it turns out yeah he just wants to talk talk to I his wife what he on, wants. I, on the the nasa side of the gear which is still yeah that is a pretty big problem though it's tough, yeah. I mean, I think Miles could make it happen. He's got a lot of access um, with his green card or whatever it is, his green badge. I think he can but, physically, like, either... Because, like, 
can he actually give them more bandwidth or priority bandwidth? And if he can, or if he can't, then like, can he get Lee over to, I guess he already did get Lee over to their side. So that's already, yeah, yeah. Apparently. man, that's a lot easier of a get though. I got to say that. I, I think that's what it is. I think this is literally lost in translation, you know, where okay. he says, I want my wife, but he means I want to speak with my wife. Yeah. And he's but we'll English see. Maybe he's language. a psychotic and thinks he can get a person up here. It's not psychotic. It's just like, I know. you know, it's it's, you know, you know what it view. is. It's like that episode of Star Trek Next Generation where that like primitive lady uh, saw them uh, like like bring someone back from the dead on the sick bay. And then she demanded Picard mm-hmm. to bring, you know, it's and Picard's like, I, yeah, like Your we're up in a spaceship. And yeah, but yeah, I can't. This is beyond <laughs> my level. And she thinks he's lying. Like, I think it's yeah. that kind of thing where they're going to be like, oh, we can't do it. And he's going to be like, you fucking capitalists can do anything with enough money and pressure and time. Mm-hmm. And he'll be he'll Yeah. I'll so be a little he's going to put pressure on them. Like, I, I yeah. know your secret and I'll rat you out if you don't give me my and they were they're terrified like it's like it's not even like just the criminal aspect there's probably espionage there's probably like oh, yeah. g- geopolitical stakes to this now absolutely yeah breaking that that do not cross line i think is a more serious offense certainly than miles thinks it is he's pretty nonchalant about it we're like but yeah we'll see are we gonna have I mean, the, the first martian murder i mean maybe i guess danny was negligence neg- negligent manslaughter <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not take away Danny's accomplishments. Come yeah. on, the man died, for God's sake. <laughs> did a lot of firsts on Mars. Yeah. Oh, we still uh, don't know that he's dead. He could be serving life in prison in Leavenworth or something. Like, we don't know exactly what's happened down there, out there. It's true. It's true. All right, uh, last scene here where Margo's taken to a roadside meet with the woman from the park bench who says that she's safe now. The coup is over, and her name being Arena, uh, she's the new head of the Soviet space program, and Arena invites her to work at Star City. I gotta say, I'm impressed in the coup, the coup attempt that they are so meticulous. They had their director of Star City picked out, hand-picked out, and that she was going mm-hmm. and shopping for her American left hand, right-hand woman. Like, this is yeah. some insane coup planning. But I guess... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That that uh I still don't understand what the hell's going on and why the hell no, they would it, want Margot to run this. Because everything that Miss Katish said about her, about that she's been ten years out of the game, about obsolete technology, yeah, she's got the good but like why would a Russian handpick this Amer- dead American woman mm-hmm. rather than take like the many Because she knows many, that she can like, be trusted? Because she is I, an outsider, ooh. she's not caught she up in the political and controlled. Yeah, because she <laughs> is a fugitive as well. Because um, that's what says like it's it's yeah. like the Russians know their way around rockets, man. Like they gave sure. America their run for the money during the space, and, and for a good period of like ten plus years, they were the only way we got people to the space station. Because mm-hmm. we shut our shit down, and they kept on running their stuff. So, like, the idea that they'd have to go to an American to run their space, that seems wildly, like, anti-Russian. <laughs> I feel like she's going to be a shadow uh, space worker, program worker, though, right? Like, she's not actually going to be she the can't. Katisha's position. She's, Cause, right, she's a fugitive, like I said. There's, okay. there's no chance. So she's going to be running it things behind the scenes. Is it possible... 
that now at the coup and the transfer of power, the Russians would be like, well, yeah, we stole one of your citizens. <laughs> but that was the other government. You can't really hold us responsible. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah. Uh, Clean look how there. well she's been treated and she's running her space agency but but you're right they can't unless they do some kind of like oh it turns yeah, out she shows up with a limp and a wrist brace and a blood splattered face and a, look how well she's been treated yeah yeah in yeah. russia this is great <laughs> yeah i i just i do i do wonder how yeah, they're I'm going super to... curious how that's going to shake out i mean they, they set up a lot of good stuff in this episode you know for as much as i'm like not super into the spy stuff and i think all that is just going to be a hole in my knowledge and memory of this show. I'm just going to be like, there was a time when Margot was a fugitive, and mm. then after that, she was working for Star City. <laughs> the, yeah. Every all the machinations are going to be gone. But I, I'm I'm super interested to see how it shakes out at this point. Yeah, yeah, I am too. I that that this is like the mother of all setup episodes because we know we talk yeah. about this sometimes in shows like they like to have these kind of like little moments there was some certainly drama but it's not you know it's not to show stock and trade but i do think they are setting up just the mother of all complicated like intense you know they're going to have more governments yeah. involved in the mix more everything I mean, we're approaching like, the middle of a for all mankind season so yeah <laughs> things are going to get crazy yeah, because remember, like, we've never had more than a handful of people involved. Like, when the moon bases mm -hmm. went to war, it was like 13 Russians against 12 Americans, right? There's, yeah. like, hundreds of people on Mars at this point. Mm -hmm. Probably thousands on the moon. Like, if shit kicks off, it could get real wild, real hairy in a way that we've never, on a scale that we've never seen. Um, I just hope yeah, they I mean, there are the more, stakes. Th there are more countries involved now than there were astronauts in the initial jamestown <laughs> base like damn straight like by a factor at, at points yeah yeah so I, yeah things are gonna get real uh real crazy man and i'm here for it i'm real excited for next episode you're listening to hi bob we'll be right back hi bob Welcome back to more For All Mankind. Oh, uh, you want to do feedback? Yeah, let's do it. FAM at baldmove.com is how you send in your communications. And we have given you priority traffic, priority bandwidth for this. So use it wisely. Jason's up first says, hey, guys, is Martian political independence surprisingly soon to come? In the first episode, I believe, is mentioned by Marv that a self-sustaining Mars is the goal. And it seems like the base is well on its way. We've already seen the introduction of civilian workforce, the beginnings of unique Martian culture, and what looks like to be a potential class struggle. We're also seeing a parallel storyline with a potential coup in the Soviet Union, which could leave stateless and moneyless people on Mars. Uh, fun fact, there was a, a Russian briefly stuck in space during the fall of the Soviet Union in our history. I did not know that, hmm. but that sounds interesting that you have, yeah, yeah like Tom Cruise and Terminal. Like, you don't have a country no more, <laughs> okay, bro. Yeah. You're in well, international waters, like yeah. Well, you're here in the world's biggest border crossing. You got no visa, dude. <laughs> uh, this company town stuff and the upstairs downstairs situation seems like it won't last. Oh my god, Downton Abbey on Mars. Why have I not looked at this through this lens yet? Oh yeah. 
Um, it seems <laughs> Who's like your pad is a pad Miss Padmore. Who's your Miss Padmore? Padmore. Uh, I mean, whoever the executive chefs are. I was thinking, who's the Mister Carson? Is that Palmer guy, right? Oh yeah, for sure. And Ed's the Lord HR. Grantham. Uh, mm-hmm. Danny's Lady G. Who who's Lady G? Is that Maggie Smith? That's no. That's uh, that's uh, uh, Lord Grantham's wife, Cara. Oh okay. Cora, Cara, Lady Cora. G. Lady McGee. Um, so this company, yeah, it won't last. And when the political systems form on Mars, they're no longer relying on Earth for survival. They have immediate control over their valuable resources, possibly an asteroid in orbit in the base itself. But inevitable that some kind of independence movement similar to the American Revolution occurs. We've seen astronauts like Ed rebel on the moon and with other astronauts last season on Mars before, but in a position where their lives were in Earth's hands, and pretty soon that status quo will change. Maybe even toss in something like the discovery of the microbiological life on Mars, where it's possible for extremely different priorities between Martian colonists and Earth scientists. I think it's inevitable that an independent Mars happens soon. There's just too many cracks showing. Uh, This, my only question, because this is inevitable. This is the expanse. This is the epitome Mm -hmm. of the expanse. Like, you know, Earth getting bullied by, by, or Mars getting bullied by Earth, etc. Is... Like I, they, they're not even growing their own crops yet, you know. Like they got three quarters, yeah. which means twenty five percent of their citizens starve if Earth says fuck you guys. And mm-hmm. I know there is limited manufacturing on the Mars, on Mars and the Moon, but like it still seems for a long time they're going to be reliant on like microchip manufacturing, advanced medical stuff. Like, yeah, this is for sure not a this season thing. Although yeah. they're putting a lot of pieces in place i agree with you um i i think we could see i i don't even know if it's a next season thing i mean the amount of time it takes to get real operations up in space it seems like it's compressed in this show but it's also a long time i don't know i i could maybe see it happening next season where mars tries to claim its independence um whether that's through the private sector saying ah we're just not going to listen to what the government tells us anymore and mm-hmm. we're claiming Happy Valley for our own, and we're ejecting all of your NASA astronauts. God, um, how would or, how would the countries take that back if they did do that? I mean, there, there, there's not a lot of ways to take it back. I guess you could get, you could blow up the Phoenix. I well, guess you could also just arrest all the board members of the company doing that here on Earth. So it's like I said, it's like you'd have sure, to. Sure, but like, if it's a self-sustaining community already, then you have to go take it back or destroy yeah. it. I mean, the other option yeah. is you do something that I think would be publicly reprehensible to everyone right. on Earth, which is to blow up the Mars base. But you could do it. I, I think we're looking at the first interplanetary war if we get to like season five or maybe six, even. Yeah, and then we're going. We're definitely going more towards the expanse than we are to a Star Trek future at that point. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like the Star Trek future, it'll have speed bumps like that, where you know people like try to you, like a whole ass eugenics and, war with guys like Khan yeah. taking over the planet. Yeah, there'll be some bumps, sure. There'll be some bumps, but you know, eventually you get to that utopia. So yeah, I mean, the bumps could be big. Yeah, and that's a pretty big bump. Um, but I, I like it. And the other thing is like we're we're doing this like ultimate brinksmanship where it's like literally nuking the Mars colony versus like getting uh, them. Could, but like the reality is there's a lot of economic Absolutely. power that the workers could flex and like a strike or, 
you know, take over. It's like, well, yeah, we would rather keep paying you pittance and taking all the money, but like we'll, we'll accept 50% less money in exchange for not having to rebuild the Mars station, you know, like there, it, it doesn't well, have to just... like go to the mattresses, so to speak. Yeah, and and political power. I mean, Dev could get in there and really treat those workers great, right? Like treat mm-hmm. them better than they're treated on Earth, and say, "Don't you want to pull for us?" But like possible. We're yeah. gonna claim our independence. We're all in this together, right? Rally the troops around his cause. Uh, th- th- there are so many levers of power that can be pulled here that I think it's gonna be fascinating when those things start to come to a head. Next message uh, from Dr. Barry Goodman. I don't know if you real, remember this guy, but uh, uh-huh. this goes back to breaking like the electrical mag or <laughs> magical electromotive days of, of of Breaking Bad. This is a old school bald move fan. Totally. Says, Good morning. He's, his core his Corvette, I believe, is in Breaking Bad. It's the one that's true. Walt's watching. True. Yeah. Uh, it says, good morning regarding no deaths as part of the commercial spa- race to space. We talked about how we didn't think that they're, you know, like wait till you know, Virgin Atlantic and uh, um, what is it, SpaceX and all that start killing astronauts in space. He says there's already been a death in space. He he sent me an article from 2014 where Virgin Galactic uh, crashed. One of their test pilots crashed. Both of the pilots crashed. One of them is able to escape and one of them died. Um, Long-term flight engineer and test pilot Michael Alsbury was killed Friday when a Virgin Galactic spaceship exploded and broke apart mid-flight above California's Mojave Desert. Uh, hmm. He was an experienced te- flyer who co-piloted the same craft when it first broke the sound barrier last year. He worked for Scaled Composites, which built and operates Spaceship Two for more than a decade. So I think the key distinction here and why I forgot it is that the whole over California's Mojave Desert, like this was like more, I think this was treated by the press more as like an experimental jet than like, mm-hmm. oh my God, astronauts died in space. Like, Yeah, that makes sense. W- we can get behind people wrecking in airplanes, but when seven astronauts do it, re-entering Earth's orb, uh, Earth's atmosphere, it's like holy shit, a national news. So it's like, but 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 you're right. Uh, his his overall point is true that like the spot, the private space flight program has already killed a person. So, can you imagine how much stink there would be right now if every SpaceX attempted flight was manned? <laughs> we would have yeah. killed I mean that so program that company would have been shut yeah. down by the government at this point right to be fair I don't think anyone ever suggested that like even Matt no, like, of you, course you could say not. the same thing about NASA's early days too but uh-huh. um, but at least that was publicly funded the, the private part of it is what we're worried about uh, an interesting earth born parallel to Miles' situation from Steve. He says, uh, in 1993, my buddy and I were a couple years out of high school and didn't have much going on. We decided to be an adventure to go work on an Alaskan fishing boat and somehow got to Seattle and signed on with a seafood company working on a trawler processor. We figured we'd get a bit of adventure mixed with a good chunk of money after a two to three month stint in the Bering Sea. Our first hint that our dreams of glory might be off was at the contract and orientation meeting where we learned our salary would be 0.002% of the net profit from the trip. Thought the HR lady was making a joke, but no, that was the pay. Okay, we thought the ship probably makes a shit ton of money and we'll be fine. I spent the next two months in the Bering Sea working for 12 to 15 hours a day, seven days a week on the inside of a factory in the huge ship processing cod and pollock. It was definitely dangerous, lots of blades and crazy machines, and anything but glorious in the way something like the deadliest catch portrays it. We spent mm-hmm. almost the entire time in a window, windowless metal jungle, and when we did get outside, it was always dark. 
You had to supply all your own gear. Anything you wanted to buy from the little store was charged against your future paycheck. I'm sure they made a killing on cigarettes. In the end, the ship made $2 million of profit, which means our pay worked out to about $1,800, less than $2.75 oh. an hour. Uh, folks who were in McDonald's at the time was paying five. Uh, folks who were the uh, career employees made anywhere between two to $400 a day, a salary as shift leads, managers, and bridge crew. I could go on and on about how every plot point of Miles Marston, his name is what we did. The big di- biggest difference to the show is the food was amazing. They actually didn't skimp on feeding us. Yeah, I, I bet you ate a lot of cod and pollock. A lot of bycatch, snow crab bycatch. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that this like literally Earth's history is littered with people taking advantage of young idealistic people with not many mm-hmm. prospects to just abuse and use them because they know there'll be a fresh crop next I year mean, when look, they need to do it again. Look, look at the video game industry right now. That oh is its MO. Burn yeah. out young, ambitious, and idealistic kids. Yeah. And then they're not getting, you know, two dollars and seventy five cents an hour, but like they're probably sure. making a hundred grand working eighty, ninety hours a week. It in ain't some great. of the highest cost of living areas in the world. Yeah. And it ain't much of a life, so that's the thing. You got the, like I said, you see the bad th- side of the Soviet uh, way things are done, but you know there's there's work to be done on our side of the street too. Elav is our final emailer. Says a thought while listening to the recap about a latest plan for Kelly's private funding for her research as the only living child of a divorced widowed. Uh, oh, so this is this is the person that pointed out that like Kelly should be loaded, and mm. you get the internet points today because it turns out she was to the tune of a couple percentage of Helios net uh, gross value, I guess, stock stock value. Yeah, uh, so nice. some uh, some big uh, we, big winners of internet points this week for the predictions. Uh, Elav and uh, who's the other guy? Robin Versailles or Versailles. Uh, that's going to be it for this week's show. Uh, for all mankind, F-A-M. F-A-M at baldmove.com is how you get in touch with us. You want to know what else we're doing? Uh, we're starting up Fargo this se- uh, the new season of Fargo this week. We're checking out uh, Napoleon. Uh, speaking of Joel Kinnaman, we'll be checking him out in Silent Night in the was that December first, November thirtieth. Uh, how do I keep up with all this stuff going on a bald move? Well, it's easy. You put at bald move into your favorite social media app, unless it's TikTok, then it's at baldest move. And follow us there for all the things we're doing. And if you want to support us, uh, get some ad-free feeds, some extra bonus audio and video content, we could use the support. Support Support.baldmove.com That's going to do it for this week at For All Mankind. Have a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll see you next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Bye, Bob. Bye, Bob.